Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. Le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Matt O'Han with you on this Friday evening. I am the Hebrew Hammer. You're listening to the Sick Podcast brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. And they are a full uh, leading logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. We're also brought to you by Playground. Playground has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games. Daily promotions and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just minutes over the uh, just over the Mercy Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal. We're also brought to you by La Bita TV Beer, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bita TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit at TV, embrace your true nature. We're also brought to you by shop, uh, sportsbuffshop.com. Shop all your licensed lifestyle apparel, including hoodies, caps, and tees of your favorite teams from all major leagues at sportsbuffshop.com. Use code SICK10 for 10% off all their items. All right. Uh, so not much uh, happening this week in terms of news with the Canadians. Obviously, we had a really interesting interview on uh, Monday with Tony, with uh, Dominic Ducharme. I broke that down on Tuesday with Stu Cowan. That made some headlines around uh, the Montreal media, which is always nice to see. Um, but the Canadians kind of did a, gave the media world a blessing, a little nugget, uh, something to talk about. Uh, they released a behind-the-scenes draft video. It's about 17 minutes long. You could find it on YouTube. Uh, it was really, really interesting, really, really cool. Um, so we're going to talk about it uh, today along with fantasy hockey. And who better to talk about it than the uh, host of Sick Prospects, Shane Gaumont. Producer Shane, what's going on? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Hey, man, I, I need I need a nickname like the Hebrew Hammer. That, that's, that's, that goes hard, man. That's a great nickname. Hey, listen. I Listen, I'm not the first one. I'm not the first one to be named the Hebrew Hammer. There's also Josh Rosen. There's also a movie called The Hebrew Hammer, believe it or not. That's tough. Uh, it's a hilarious movie. But uh, anyone who is Jewish and not in the uh, not in a Jewish circle, when you expand beyond, you are known as the Hebrew Hammer, which is what uh, my non-Jewish friends call me. Um, 
I like producer Shane though. Producer Shane's not bad. I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it. It's, it's better than what Tony calls me. That's for sure. What does he call you? Oh, I can't. It can't be said on air. <laughs> that stays behind yeah. closed doors. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. funny. It's funny because Tony is super professional. You'll never hear him swear unless you uh, listen back to the episode of when Pierre Luc Dubois got traded to the <laughs> LA Kings, and yeah. he was saying everything was bullshit. It's like the first time I had ever heard Tony swear on air. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, but off the air, if any, any of our listeners, just a little tidbit to peel back the curtain a little bit. Off the air, this guy is has a mouth like a drunken sailor. It's it's unbelievable <laughs> what he what what comes out of his mouth. Yeah, um, anyway, enough yeah. enough about Tony. Uh, let let's talk a little bit about that draft video because I thought it was super interesting. Um, also interesting that they would go the draft route, considering you know, the reaction to the first round pick. I don't know. I found, I found that a little weird that they would go that route of giving the behind the scenes, not mentioning mm-hmm. his name, Mitch Kov. you know, everyone knew that they were talking about when they were comparing two players, but yeah. I don't know. I thought, I felt like that kind of, I haven't seen the reaction to it, but it could have reignited some blowback and, and bad, I guess, negative feelings from the fan base. Honestly, I think that's kind of died down a bit. You, know, you always have that those outliers that are still outraged and, and want nothing to do with Reinbacker. But anybody with a head on their shoulder will admit that this is looking like a good pick. Like, you can't really complain. You Sure, you can complain about who we passed on. But as to who we picked, there's there's nothing to complain about here. Reinbacker is a terrific kid. I got a chance to meet him um, at development camp. He was fantastic. Just such a funny, heartwarming kind of guy. Uh, you know, the kind of, kind of guy you want to root for, right? So um, I, I don't really think it's going to spark, you know, an outrage or anything like that. I, I I was just happy to get, you know, a glimpse of those discussions that they had. And we saw they got pretty heated. Like there was there was this conversation between two scouts about the goalies. And, you know, one of them was saying like, J- Jacob Fowler has been the best everywhere mm-hmm. he's gone, right? And throughout his his junior career, you can say, he's been at the top of his game. So anyways, like those kind of tidbits I, I love. And I love the one they did last year, you know, with Slavkovsky. That's another interesting discussion that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned how they, they didn't name Mitchkov in the, in the video. And I cut this clip of Jeff Gorton talking about someone, right? But it's insinuating. Well, I think we can, we can have a listen here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we have it, pull it up. I've... There's only so, so many chances an organization does to get to add talent. It's very hard. You can't do it through free agency anymore, really. Getting older players and you have to pay them a lot of money, right? You pretty much have to draft or get lucky to get high-end talent now, right? And sometimes you take a chance. and So it seems as though this room has said, no, we don't want to try this chance. And I just want to make sure we're making the right decision pretty obvious who he's talking about there right eh? <laughs> yeah i and you know i i, I love it because uh it's yeah. not like I, well i love it on a couple different levels one i like that you know they they knew that it was a risk and he was willing to take the risk clearly mm-hmm. um what what i also like is that you know they they had the discussion about him they clearly thought a lot about it it wasn't just like let's throw this out the window yeah. um 
Yeah, I know. It's it's just it's it's really, you know, he had Panarin in his room uh, when he was in he when he was in New York, and he signed him, and he knows like that 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 doesn't yeah. happen all the time. You don't get a, a Terry Panarin or Temi Panarin in a free agency all the time, and uh, you know you have the chance to draft one. I don't know if that's as comparable. I'm just saying because he was a hot shot free agent uh, mm-hmm. that signed with New York. Um, you know, I thought that I thought that was really interesting and. You know, you mentioned the um, you mentioned the discussion between the two goalies. I thought it was really weird to see the questions that they ask them. Um, I but you know, with talk about Jacob Fowler, what I really liked yeah. was like they're asking him questions about players. You know, like right-handed shot, left-handed shot, and he's like, "Yeah, it's, he's just like we're just going to name you players, and you're going to tell us what type of what type of style he plays." It's almost like he's scouting himself, which I really exactly. like because uh, you know you like to see hockey nerds in the room. Yeah, we actually have that clip. We can pull well, there it up you go. And watch it. Yeah, it's really impressive. Tell me if they're righty, lefty, pass or shooter. Perfect. Okay, Harvey, Chicago. He's a passer. He's a lefty. Lefty. Perron. Ron's a shooter and he's a righty. He's got a really good shot. Uh, fine. Fine's a righty. Didn't see too much of it this year. I'd say he's uh, probably more of a passer, yeah. So you know your stuff? I do. You can when probably go up and down the whole USHL and I could name uh, okay. righty lefty. Now, how did you, when did you start studying it like that? I don't think it was ever a study as much as just not even a photo memory. You just you play against those guys and if you want to stop those guys, you're going to figure out real quick if he's a righty or lefty if you want to stop the puck. I mean, you can't you can't play your short side wrong if it's a righty on his one side or a lefty on the other side. So yeah. I think if you don't know what hands they are, or if they're a shooter or a pass, you're not going to be very successful. Man. So I really like that. Um, wow. Another reason why, I mean, I might be getting ahead of myself here, but you know, it's uh, that's what we do with prospects. And uh, like I've a bit, the biggest tip I was always told about prospects is their their value is never as high as for most of them as the day they were drafted. You know, because everyone's gassing them up, okay. everyone's yeah, talking yeah. about them as if they're compared to this guy, that guy, whatever. But the thing that I like about the Canadians drafting an American goalie is just the American goal, like the American system right now is pumping out a lot more quality goaltenders than the Canadian system. Uh, You could talk about the Russian system, but like Finland, for example, was known for good goalies once upon a time. That's kind of fizzling out right now. It's really the Americans that are pumping out these good goaltenders. That's it. Jacob Fowler won a lot of hearts with that video. I'm, I'm, convinced like he's he he won mine that's for sure um yeah from that yeah. clip to you know when he talks about having the chip on his shoulder right Be, watching the ohl draft for six hours and not being picked and then you know saying that youngstown got lucky that i was in their corner because i was ready to go like this guy has the dog mm-hmm. in him and, and that's what you want you want a competitor you want a guy that'll give his best when it matters most and that's exactly what jacob fowler is yeah yeah and it's like we we know that the Canadians drafted three goaltenders in that in that draft, which was a little weird. But you know the cupboard was the the cupboard was bare in goaltending. You know clearly yeah. uh, they don't really believe in the guys in uh, in Laval. Maybe they don't think that uh, Montembeau is the long term solution. I won't read too much into it because most goalies aren't like Spencer Knight uh, and crack the NHL right the year after they were drafted. Um, 
but uh, you know that that was an addressing addressing a position of need, and they did that there. Back to back to Reinbacher, yeah. you know, uh, like what you said. Um, when you, when you say like he's obviously going to be a good player, I agree. It's the the part that that will hurt everyone is who they passed on. I feel like that's, that's the it. thing is that nobody th- nobody really thinks he's going to be a bad player. I think where people start to you know find reasons to be upset about the pick obviously that's a big one um the biggest thing that people that you could say to that is well you don't really know because uh we don't know anything about Mitchkov right now mm-hmm. and i guess the rebuttal to that would be yeah well he's being compared to adam larson you know like i feel like that's another pressure point for people that like you know yeah. he's He's either being compared to Roman Yossi or Adam Larson. It's like, where are we? Which one are we going to get? Kind of thing. That's it. Yeah, I remember when when Craig Button made that comparison. I, I scratched my head. I'm like, Adam, Adam Larson's a fine defenseman, but I oh, think yeah. Ryan Backer has a much higher ceiling than that. Um, you know, opponents of Ryan Backer, like guys who have played against him, say that he could be, you know, a Pietrangelo type of a player. So, if that's the case, man, like, you know, Habs are in good hands, but. Regarding Mitchkov, like you, you look at what he's doing right now with SKA St. Petersburg, um, he's on a short, short leash, even though he's probably the best player on his team. Um, you know, Grant McCagg has has highlighted the fact that if he makes a mistake, he's likely done for the rest of the game. He gets stapled mm. to that bench. And and for the next three years, right? The Philadelphia Flyers have to be worried about that for the next three years. And Martin Lapointe spoke to Grant McCagg about that, and he gave me the inside info, right? Martin Lapointe said that not being able to control his development, have a say in, in, you know, where he is and all that, he has to play in St. Petersburg for the next three years, and however they run him is how they run him. And when he comes to the NHL, who knows what you'll have, right? And that scared the room. That scared the scouts, and, you know, they went with, the safe pick who will still be a fantastic player. Um, but it's it's really just like the upside, right? What can be with mm-hmm. Mitchkov that we passed on? And that's what Jeff Gorton spoke about. It's like that kind of talent you have to draft. They don't, they don't just fall off trees, right? You have to draft these guys. And, you know, is the risk outweighing the benefits? Then in this case it is, and they decided to pass. You know, uh, it, it's... It's just, the other level to that video uh, that we played, that clip that we played was, you know, it, it's how much stock can you put into something that came from the Habs? But the other side is like, if there were, I mean, they, I can't say that all the doubts are completely gone, but for the people who had doubts of Kent Hughes just being a face and Jeff mm. Gordon is the puppet master, I mean, you got to say that's out the window because. Kent Hughes was on Team Reinbacher, and Jeff Gordon was on Team, team uh, Mitchkov, clearly. Yeah. And, you know, that didn't happen. So anyone who thought that uh, Gordon was the puppet master, it's no. This is Kent Hughes' team, and is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't know. I kind of like that they have a room full of people that aren't like-minded, you know? That, yeah. that, to me, is a huge positive for the Habs, that they're not – so he's not uh Jeff Gordon didn't surround himself with yes men like uh like Mark Bergevin kind of did. 
That's it. And and I remember after the draft, right, Martin Lapointe and Nick Bobrov had a press conference and they mentioned how the decision was unanimous. And that kind of raised some eyebrows. They're like, okay, is, is mm. there really like an internal debate? But I think what they meant by that is like everyone was on board with Ryan Backer, right? There there was guys that you know wanted Mitchkov, but if if it wasn't Mitchkov, I think everyone was going Ryan Backer. Um right. so you know, and, and and on top of that, uh, I recently learned that it was actually Martin Lapointe and Nick Bobrov that made the final draft decision, not Kent Hughes, which I thought was interesting, mm. right? Kent and Jeff have a say in the discussion, right? They, they, they have a voice, but really it comes down to the head scouts, which is their job at the end of the day, right? Their job is mm-hmm. to scout these players and give their opinions. That's not the job of Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton. Their job is... is much wider than that, right? They they're they're involved in everything and how make in, in making the team better. But those two guys, their their sole purpose is to bring in that young talent. And they both decided Reinbacker was the guy. Uh, I mean, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with that, right? I, I can't tell the future, but if they mm-hmm. were that sold, both of them, uh, you know, I can't complain. You know. I, I can't complain either. The one thing that, like, I mean, I wonder what their risk assessment was like with Mitchkov. I mean, because, yeah. <laughs> you know, like like what you said, you know, we they want to control what they, like, the player that they drafted and the, his development. They want to have a say. And that's totally fine. That's totally normal. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they will have little to no control if had they drafted uh, Mitchkov. But the part that it's, like, it's interesting is, like, you got to think of it in terms of, you know, like CSK is trying to, or, or St. Petersburg is trying to win hockey games too. If, if Mitchkov gives them the best chance, they're going to put him on the ice. They're not going to be like in the back of their, I mean, just logically thinking, I don't know, because like, you know, this is Vladimir Putin's favorite freaking hockey team. So I don't know uh, how much pull he has there. And if he's going, if he's going to North America, how much that changes, but it's like, they want to, they want to ice the best team too. So I'm not, I don't completely buy into the, him being stapled to the bench, but I will buy that, you know, they want to have control over how he develops and things he has to work on and they want Mm -hmm. to get daily or weekly reports on him and whatever that I could buy into. It's the, eh, you know, like, well, if they're going to hamper his uh, development you know, we've, it's not the first time we've heard that. We've heard that many, many times. Uh, you know, like we've heard that. I've heard that from Mitch Aguirre told me that. Uh, you know, we heard Snake Boisvert Snake say it. You know, we've heard a lot of people say, th- say things like this about different players. And uh, I don't know. I just don't buy into it too much. Yeah, the chances are he, he'll, you know, he'll develop well, right? You, you look at the odds. Odds are he'll come into the NHL and be better than Kaprizov, right? That's that's where it's looking to go. But it's mm-hmm. just that off chance of like, let's say that, you know, we we don't know what's going on over there. No one does except the ones that are over there, right? So let's say, mm-hmm. right, hypothetically that this is right, move forward in, in the future, his last year at SKA, uh, and then he's he's talking about making the jump to the NHL, and then the coaching staff is like, "Well, screw you, then. You know, we're not going to play you, right? It, it, that's that's always a possibility. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just that unknown, right? That unknown of what they're going to do with him, if he's going to develop properly. Uh, chances are he will, like I said, but they didn't feel like it was worth the risk. And and 
uh, I did clip the part where they talk about what they really like about Ryan Becker. And I, I thought that was, that was also pretty interesting. So we can have a listen here. Ryan Becker, just at five, you just have this feeling of what it could be the upside of it all. Right. So I just been going through my mind. I think when we watched Ryan Becker play, like I saw the compete, I saw the defending. He's, he's all about winning, not selfish. Like, because like, I, I'm like everybody talking about defense, but like, I, in my opinion, he's so special also in offense. Like he's like, he's so good on the power play. He's so like, he moves well, like he reads the play well. He organizes passes out. So he's highly, like highly talented offensively. He's just not, he doesn't show it all the time because he plays such a smart defensive first game. He's young in the league, but he's got so much skill. I saw him under pressure. We saw the games in, in the playoff, and they were they were hard games, and they were trying to run them. I didn't see him bail out once or panic with the cut, not one. I think it's hard to find that asset, like size, right shot, D. I love, I really like him. He's a good player, but I think it'd be easier for everybody, including you guys and the the staff, to find the bit that, that brings everything. There is a harder Thing to find and going back and looking at all the teams that won the Stanley Cup they have that premier defenseman hmm. I love that little music they play it's so dramatic yeah I know it makes me sound like <laughs> really intense but yeah, uh, yeah. you know you, like it's it's a copycat league I don't think many people are going to copy what Vegas's blueprint was because um, uh, you know they they had like people are saying like they didn't have a superstar they're they're a bunch of they're not ragtag guys that are like banded together like they were when they entered the league but like they had freaking jack eichel you know like and and also you know he won the con smythe did jonathan marsh so he's not a premier name yeah i'm still sour about jack eichel not winning it because you know i would have won two grand if he did but oh. like the guy the guy's not a superstar marsh so but he's scoring 30, 40, 26 goals a year. You know what I mean? Like that blueprint is kind of not going to be followed. So I kind of, I like what they said there because like you look at Tampa Bay, they had, they have obviously Victor Hedman. I've even put Victor Hedman's progression in the same breath as Reinbacher. Cause like That's fair, Victor yeah. Hedman at the beginning, beginning of his career. I'm not saying they play this play of the same style before we both get murdered in the comments. I'll preface <laughs> it again is that they don't play the same style, but like in terms of offensive, you know, in terms of how they're being spoken about, he's a big body Reinbacher. He's obviously not as big as Hedman. Um, but you know, when Hedman, when he came into the league, he was just a big guy. He was still learning the game. And then finally, I want to say like, maybe three, four, five years into his career, that's when he became like that physical yep. specimen on the ice. And you're like, holy shit, we have to deal with this monster uh, that's six foot seven and he's a great defenseman, hard to move around. And oh yeah, he could, he's also going to score 15 goals a year. Like that's mm -hmm. when, you know, things start to come on for defensemen. So, I mean, hey, if Reinbacher come, becomes, you know, half of what Hedman is, I, I would say I won't call it a home run, but I would say it's a pretty damn good pick, and it's hard to argue that it's a flop. It's great value at number five, right? And and 
what I thought what stood out to me was when was how much emphasis they put on his offensive game, right? We all are all talking about how oh he's not this you know massive offensive threat, but he just does everything well. And how they're saying that he actually does have some serious offensive potential. Imagine pairing that with Lane Hudson. Like the, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's five forwards on the ice essentially, and then two of them can play defense. Um, I, I think that's really interesting. And you know, does it does it is it really better than taking a guy that will likely score, you know, fifty or upwards of fifty goals a season? Who knows? But at the end of the day, they want to build a Stanley Cup champion team, not a regular season champion team, right? <clears throat> Toronto. Um, so having those pieces to fit that puzzle, to be okay, this is a team that can actually win the cup, not just finish first in the division and I'll mm-hmm. win the cup. That's what we want, right? At the end of the day, if, if let's say Mitchkov is scoring 60 with Philadelphia, but the Habs are winning the cup and Reinbacker's playing good, then that was a great pick at number five. So mm-hmm. time will tell, but, um, their their logic is does make sense for the most part. I can't I can't really bash anything they said. Yeah, me neither. I I, I thought it was just a great all around video. You know, like whenever yeah. I kind of roll my eyes at least like whenever a team posts something like that because it's kind of like, eh, Propaganda. you know, like yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they sh- they you know? show like, what they want to show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I felt like we got a pretty good, you know, like pretty good uh gauge on like they obviously had to leave some stuff out but like Mm -hmm. you know they didn't they didn't shy away from the discussions they had clearly jeff gorton didn't shy away from how his feelings on uh on mitchkov so i liked it i thought for uh for Mm -hmm. a propaganda video it was uh pretty (laughs) uh it could pass as if it came from like amazon right like amazon all or nothing uh you know it could pass um yeah anyways uh, any any other thing. notes from the uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. One thing that stood out to me was also in the interview process at the combine that that psychologist they had I forget his name. First of all, I thought that's a, that's a great idea, right? Like having an actual mm-hmm. psychologist, someone who understands the human psyche, was is a fantastic idea. But the, the questions he was asking were really strange, right? That 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 one he yeah. asked the, the yeah. linebacker. But then we also heard that he I, I don't know if it was him, but there was a question about how like you know, saving your teammates on the beach of Normandy and, and stuff like that. Like, and you're asking Reinbacker who's Austrian, those kinds of questions, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a little weird. I understand why they didn't put it in the video. Cause then it would have gotten flamed, but uh, I actually clipped the, the one about the, um, the cash machine as the guy called it. That oh yeah. Such a yeah, weird yeah, yeah, yeah. question. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's take a listen to that. It's worth it. The bank machine where you get the money, you put your card in, you get the money. Yeah. And you are waiting in line to go to the machine, okay? Yeah. And there is uh, two uh, little old ladies there in front of you. Yeah. But before the next woman can get there, the guy comes straight in, and yeah. right to the machine, just jumps in front of you folks, and goes to the machine. What would you do in that situation? I would say something to the guy. There's respect to every guy or every human. Um, if there's a line, you gotta like respect the line and stay behind the line. Um, especially if they're like older women, they need a little bit longer. So you gotta respect that and help them. 
Man, when I first saw that, I was cracking up. What would you ask for that? You know, well, that's the thing. It's it's like, yeah, I would do something about it. Um, you know, like me personally, I, if I had answered honestly, I'm not getting drafted by the Canadians because I probably wouldn't do anything. Uh, if I'm being real, um, you know, um, but I believe him. You know, those Eastern Europeans, they they they're hard nosed. They're they're. Yeah. We're tough customers. You know, you get a, a customer service over there. I remember when I went to Czech Republic, I went to Prague once and I went on a free walking tour and my, uh, my tour guide, he's uh, suggesting some restaurants that I should go to. And he goes, okay, you're Canadian. You Canadians and Americans, you're used to one way of customer service. You're going to go to a restaurant. You're going to expect a hi, how are you? Oh, this is whatever. Nice conversation. No, no. It's uh, what do you want? Here's your food. That's how it is, you know? So I, I, I believe Ryan Bacher when he says that. Um, but yeah, you know what I would think would be cool? It would be really funny. This would never happen though. You, you know, you remember that, that TV show? Sometimes it pops up on my TikTok. It was an old TV show called What, like, what Would You Do or something like that. It's a hidden oh, yeah, camera yeah. TV show. Yeah, kind yeah, of social yeah. experiment kind of show. I want to see that with draft prospects. Or like they actually NHL put players. them in the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That'd just like awesome. not even just not even necessarily draft prospects like NHL players, coaches. Like I want to see, I want to see what's what they're all about. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fair. That's fair. Like you, yeah, you want to cool. really you want to really evaluate someone's psyche. Exactly. You know, the NHL should set it up so you don't have to have the psychological <laughs> questions being asked yeah. in the interviews. Yeah, like I, I was thinking about that question. I'm like, how does this? you know, give an idea of what that player will do on the ice. You know, uh, uh, someone cuts an old lady at the cash machine. What do you do? I'm trying to find the correlation and and I'm, I'm no psychologist, right? So I'm, I'm a yeah. business major. I don't know this shit. If you do in the comments, please help me out. But I just, I really don't understand it. Uh, but Hey, if it works, it works. And they seem to like Ryan Becker, So that's all that matters. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. And, uh, you know, like you said, only uh, time's going to tell and uh, we'll see him. He's coming to he's coming to Montreal. I think he'll be in Montreal for the uh, preseason, which is yeah, good. Rookie camp, uh, too, yeah. rookie tournament. Yeah. All that. So so there you go. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, the red white scrimmage uh, inner squad scrimmage happened September 10th, I believe. And then September 11th is the uh, golf tournament for the Canadians. That's when uh, sure. things really start to kick into high gear for us at the sick podcast and for the oh, yeah. Canadians and for hockey in general, which is all very, very exciting. Speaking of kicking into gear, like, listen, it's never too late to start doing your research. Um, let's talk about it. Let's talk uh, fantasy hockey right now. Yes, sir. I'm really excited. I'm, I love fantasy hockey. Don't love it as much as fantasy football. It's hard to keep track. You know what I had to do this year? It always derails. It always derails all my seasons. Is because uh, I, I don't play a head. I don't play a, a, a category league. I play a head-to-head points league. Yeah, me too. I always, always forget to set my goalies. Always. So I literally set a reminder in my phone starting October 7th, check dailyfaceoff.com. Every day I will be getting that reminder at uh, 1 p.m. So that always derails my season. But uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, So let's talk about uh, guys who are highly rated, 
maybe some question marks. I'm going to give you some time here if you don't have it in front of you. We're just going to not overthink this. We're going to go by the NHL uh, top 250 player rankings. I pulled it up. So, uh, you know, like it has Connor McDavid, obviously, at one. Leon Dreisaitl at two. Nathan McKinnon in it at three. I think that's pretty indisputable. Then it's like really... It's in the air. There's a there's a class of players here. Like this I find interesting. Austin Matthews is below Jack Hughes and Jason Robertson. Like I can make a case okay. for the rest of the guys, but like those two guys, maybe it's a positional thing, but like you know, you're got you're going to you're putting a you're putting a 45 goal score, a previous 60 goal score actually, mm-hmm. but a 45 goal score, 45 minimum assists. That's like his floor. Should he play a healthy season over guys that you know don't? Well, Jason Robertson scores, but he doesn't get as he doesn't get the assists. And Jack Hughes, he gets the assists, but he doesn't score as much. I don't know. I found that interesting. Do you got a, you got any uh, thoughts on that? I would I would have Matthews over them, but the margin isn't that big. Um, you know, Jack mm. Hughes playing on uh, New Jersey, who I believe will be the best team in the league this year. I will put that out there. I think New Jersey is going to stomp the league. Um, their top mm-hmm. six is top six is nasty, and then on defense you got Dougie Hamilton, Luke Hughes, maybe Simon Nemich makes the jump. They're looking good, right? The only question mark is really in net, but I think they, you know, Akira Schmid was fantastic in the playoffs and Vitek Vanacek is is an NHL goaltender. So with that being said, I think New Jersey is going to be fantastic and that's why Jack Hughes will benefit from that. Uh, but I still think Austin Matthews is is elite, right? As a Habs fan, you have to admit it. Come on. Austin mm-hmm. Matthews is, yep. is really damn good. You know, pair him with with Marner and and even Tyler Bertuzzi. I think he'll be a great complement to that line. So I expect big things from Matthews if he stays healthy. So uh, let's let's look at strategy a little bit because um, I feel yeah. like many different people have different strategies. I've tried this in the past; it blew up in my face. You know, positions positions yeah. are, are really important. Obviously, not as much as football. But you know you still have uh, you still have your forwards, center, left wing, right wing, uh, and then defense. Now I know people who go in my league points based. Uh, it's goaltending is set up that like we only start one goaltender, so we don't really rank them all that highly. Um, but you know I always found it interesting whenever a team would take. A second or first defenseman, I'm going to exclude Kale McCarr out of this because, you know, he can be drafted in first or second round, no problem. But, you know, you take, let's just say, an Adam Fox in round three, round four. Like, is there really that much of a positional advantage to having a 70, 75-point defenseman versus a, you know, 85 We'll even put it 70 to 75 point forward. Is there that much of an advantage? I think because there is so few high-end defensemen, you know, that someone might might take that as, you know, that logic of, okay, there's this handful of like really high-end offensive defensemen. Let me get one right away, right? Mm-hmm. Again, that, that, that works. Um, but you, you have to weigh, like, I okay, so... You mentioned earlier how it's never too early to start, you know, doing your research. I start doing my research 
when the season ends. Um, huh. I have I have this Excel file. I, I shit you not, Matt. It is my pride and joy. It is massive, and and I love it, and I love working on it. But um, I, I input all the info that I need and, and do my rankings and all that. And I start mm. really early and it changes. But um, what I do is like I have everybody in order, right? And then I, I list off whoever has been drafted. And then whoever's left, I look, okay, let's say Carter Verhage's left. And uh, let's say, you know, Brandon Montour's left. And okay, so I, I check whoever I, I've drafted so far and who I would need. So again, if, if someone thinks that, okay, they've drafted two, two centers in the first two rounds, and then they have a chance to get a high-end defenseman, then I could see that being being a, a smart decision. But it really depends on, on what you've drafted before, how this draft is lining up. If you have a few guys on your on your on your league that don't know puck, then they might take some weird players and you'll get some steals mm-hmm. later on. So you have to balance all of that. It's it's really strange. Yeah, the, the so the positional advantage thing is something that I've kind of struggled with because it's like what's the cutoff you know like where you're kind of most defensemen you know outside of like we'll call it uh kale mccarr uh adam fox we'll say uh roman yossi victor hedman like these are the big ones that come to mind eric carlson that's right um you know those are the five big ones like what's the cutoff where it's like all right you know Every defenseman's kind of the same. Uh, every forward's kind of the same at this point. Like, at what point is it like, okay, I should no longer care. I'm in too deep into this 0D or 1D strategy. And then I'm just going to fill my roster at the end with whatever freaking D is highest on the list. You know, like, what's the cutoff there? It's it's weird. I, I, to me, my cutoff is power play time. And I, like, I think this is a good segue. I prepared a little graphic about overrated mm-hmm. players, but we can bring that up. Um, the defenseman that I said was overrated was Dmitry Orlov. Again, overrated fantasy-wise. I can already smell the comments. All right. He's a fantastic defenseman. <laughs> but but um, in the Car- with Carolina this season, I really don't think he'll have that much offensive opportunities. He's not going to sniff the power play. He's going to be used defensively, right? So you're going to want to mm-hmm. stay away from him. Um, and that's really where my cutoff is, right? If if you're not getting any power play time, if you're not, you know, top three minutes, there's no point really in, in even getting that player. Unless you're in the categories mm-hmm. league, which I don't play in, so I can't really recommend anything. All I can recommend is draft the Kachucks. That's it. That's If yeah. you want to win yeah. categories, just, yeah. just draft Brady and, and uh, Matt. That's about it. Um, but if we stay on overrated for a second, um, you know, I, I I did this for four different things. Uh, we'll see them later. But yep. uh, my forward is Evgeny Kuznetsov. And I chose him because if he doesn't play with Ovechkin, he is rendered useless. He brings no value whatsoever if he's mm-hmm. on the second line. And if he is on the second line, which I do think he will be because Dylan Strom played really well last year, he'll likely not be on the first power play either. So now you have a second line center, a second PP, and he's fairly high, fairly highly rated. I would steer clear from Kuznetsov. I don't think it'll it'll work out for him this season. Uh, and goalie wise, I have Jacob Markstrom, who who had a 
stinker of a season last year, but mm-hmm. the year before that, he was one of the best goaltenders, right? So it's really how you think Calgary will, will perform this year. And I think that the Pacific division is just too hard. So I, mm-hmm. I really don't think that um, Calgary will be that great this year. You know, I like that you included Jacob Markstrom because I've kind of had a, I don't want to, it's not his fault, you know, like I was, well, this started last, uh, not this past year, but the year before uh, in the playoffs. Like I'm watching, uh, who's Calgary against Dallas. I'm watching the playoffs. It's the USA or TNT, whatever the hell the feed was. And like, they're talking about Jacob Markstrom. Like the, the game was going to overtime. He let in like a putrid goal, or as Tony likes to say, a banana in, yeah. uh, in, in regular, in regular time. And it gets pushed to overtime. And like Wayne Gretzky's talking and, uh, you know, who's going to go against the great one and what he says. But, you know, I worked for NBC Sports that year. Watched a lot of late night games. I was in charge of writing those fantasy updates on Yahoo. So I watched a lot of late night hockey and uh, watched a lot of Jacob Markstrom. And like he's saying on the panel, he's like, oh, this is really uncharacteristic of Jacob Markstrom. I've, uh, we haven't seen this of this year. Uh, pull up his regular season stats. Look at this. He had 30 wins, uh, seven mm-hmm. shutouts. And I'm just like, no, he's not that good. He t- like this was bound to catch up to him. He had like yeah. five shutouts in the month of November, and like pretty much was your average goaltender the, the whole rest of the way. So like for those of you out there, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with uh, producer Shane. If you like Calgary for whatever reason, don't because <laughs> uh, there's there's no there's no inkling as to them turning it around. Like it wasn't goaltending that kind of screwed them up last year, but the goaltending also didn't help. He's not that goaltender that like he's on a bad team, but he's still going to help you kind of like how John Gibson was back in the day. That's a, that's a really good point right there. Um, Let's just move into something a little more positive. Uh, My sleeper picks uh, three guys that, you know, should be Mm -hmm. high, higher rated in my opinion, like could be steals. Um, my forward, I know Sammy's going to be happy with this because he's a Philadelphia Flyer. Travis Konechny, um, this man put up 61 points in 60 games last year on a yeah. garbage team. Trash. Now, Philly's still not going to be great this year, but this is a over point per game player on a bad team. The potential is very much there. If Travis Konechny falls on your lap, run with it. Okay, he's he's definitely mm-hmm. a sleeper in my book. Same thing with Zacharensky, right? Great player, bad team. Uh, granted, I think Columbus will take a step forward this year, but nowhere near playoffs. Come on now. Uh, but again, this guy was plagued with injuries. He, he is injury prone, so that is something to keep in mind. But he's running that power play, and you have Johnny Gaudreau, you have Patrick Laine, you'll have Adam Fantini on there. Uh, he's by far the number one defenseman on that team, highly underrated. If you have a chance to draft... Zacharensky, I highly recommend it. Um, and in that, I put Eunice Corpusalo. Uh, he's interesting because Ottawa's looking pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, they're on the they're on the precipice of the playoffs. Like they, you know, it's they could work. very well do it this year. Um, and he's he's a fine goaltender, but I'm I'm really banking off of wins here. I think that Ottawa will mm-hmm. will likely put up some points and you know, in 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 essence, give him some points. However, the only concern I have is the 1A, 1B potential with Anton Forsberg. If they split the net, then that reduces his value. But I think he'll he'll be the consensus 
um, number one goalie. And if, if that's the case, uh, it could be a great value pick there with Corposalo. Well, so here's the thing with uh, – I like your first two. Corposalo I like a little less. But this is fine, right? Because this is like sleepers. That doesn't yeah, mean that's he's it. like your number one goaltender. So whoever is going to murder you in the comments, just stop right now. Um, but like the my thing with Ottawa is, is that they still got to play in the Atlantic division. And mm-hmm. I, I really – I just – I'm not buying what they're selling, you know, like – Last year was supposed to be the year, you know, we were supposed to see a little more from them the year before and we didn't see it. Like we're, they're always falling short of expectation, but, um, on that note, uh, he could be that goalie that I mentioned in the previous, uh, when we were talking about, uh, uh, overrated was like that, that guy who can, he's not, he might not get you a lot of wins, but he's going to rack up the saves. And if you're in a league where saves get you points, you like that because, uh, Ottawa's not known for their defense, so uh, he, not he's going to – Not gonna yet. T- yeah. Not yet. It's That's coming. right. It's he's coming. Gonna, it's coming. It, it is mm-hmm. coming, but I have a feeling this season he's going to take some pucks. I, I I would bank on it, honestly. Like, that would be a good thing. Like, you mentioned the saves, the wins. Um, I, I You know what? I'm not a fan of Ottawa whatsoever, but I have to give them the flowers when they're due. Mm-hmm. The, the, lo- the roster looks good. My concern with Ottawa is DJ Smith. He has not proven mm. jack since he's been the coach, yeah. right? And and I'm not in the room. The players seem to love him. And if, you know, if he's able to bring them to the playoffs, that's what Pierre Dorian thinks, then, you know, sure, by all means, do it. But I really don't know about him. However, the roster in front of him, in front of Corpusalo, I like. Thomas Shabbat, Jacob Chikrin, Jake Sanderson on defense. Nice. Right on forwards, you have Brady Kachuk, Stutzla, Norris if he's healthy, Batherson, question marks with the 2018, you know, Team Canada thing, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Claude Giroux, Vladimir Tarasenko. Ottawa's gonna be nice. Ottawa's gonna be nice. So he's a he's a goalie to keep an eye on. I'm not saying he's the best, far from it. Right. But no, I agree with sleeper, you. Sleeper, yeah. high potential. Uh, if we move on to my waiver claims here, waiver potential. Um I singled out three guys that might slip out the draft. Uh, Chance they still get drafted fairly far. But if they do slip out the draft and they are available on waivers, claim them. Get them, okay? And we'll start with Taylor Hall, um, obviously becoming the number one line winger on the Blackhawks, playing likely with Connor Bedard. Uh, That Mm -hmm. immediately boosts his value. Even though the Blackhawks are a terrible team, um, he's still going to put up some points. And by the way, if you're playing with plus minus in your league, please talk to your commissioner. Tell yeah, him to get yeah, help. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anybody who's playing with plus minus just needs to stop. That is stupid. Um, my little rant. I'll move on. Gustav Forsling on defense is probably one of the most reliable defensemen in the league. He's likely the number three guy in Florida. He still put up 41 points in 82 games last year. That's half a point per game as a number three defenseman. He is insanely reliable, and he's healthy. He played all 82 games last year. Um, definitely keep an eye on him. And and I love the segue that you gave me here with stopping pucks because that's exactly what Corral Melka will do in Arizona. Okay, Arizona has atrocious defense. Matt, can you even name me two? Arizona no. defenseman 
The answer is neither no. Can the answer I. is no. Neither, neither <laughs> can I. All right. It's bad. It's bad. And that will benefit, in a sense, Karel Vamelka fantasy wise because he'll face more shots, which means more saves. I mean, last year he had over 1,500 saves and three shutouts. Pretty interesting. I do think these yeah. guys are unlikely to slip out the draft, but if they do, please do yourself a favor, pounce on them. You know, it's funny. Um, off the top of my head, I wasn't able to name you uh, anyone who played on Arizona's D, but they signed Matthew Dumba. Okay. I'm not going to say, I'm like, oh, they have Troy Stetcher. Like, I'm not going to make that case. Uh, yeah. They also do have Sean Dersey. Sean Dersey's a good, uh, good th- third pairing defenseman. I will say that. Um, yes. But no, I that in that area, I'm in complete agreement with you. Uh, I want to move on to rookies yes. because I find this very, very interesting. So if we could throw this up, mm-hmm. um, obviously Connor Bedard is going to be there. Luke Hughes, yeah. that's an interesting name. Uh, because we mentioned New Jersey and how good they're going to be, uh, and obviously Devin Levi. To me, the interesting talking point on the rook with regards to the rookies, because I feel like they kind of speak for themselves. Is uh, you know Buffalo's on the come up. They had a really really good stretch last year. Like they're coming too. Are they mm-hmm. going to make the playoffs? Who knows? They're going to ra- Devin Levi is going to rack up some wins. Uh, yep. Luke Hughes, he's got part of that New Jersey team. They're going to go crazy this year, according to a lot of people, including producer Shane. Uh, the interesting one to me is Connor Bedard. Obviously, he's the superstar. He was the number one yep. overall pick, this, that, whatever. But to me, the interesting thing is you're in a 10-man league, okay? Mm-hmm. Where's he going? Because I remember when I was in a 10-man league the year that uh, that uh, Connor McDavid got drafted, he went – I think he – I took him, I want to say, in the third or fourth round. And like people were still hesitant. I feel like times have changed. No one's really yep. hesitant on the rookies anymore. So where's like a good time to uh, take a stab at a Connor Bedard? It's it, it really depends on on what kind of league you're playing in, right? If you're playing in a keeper league where you can keep Connor Bedard, he's oh, going right. in the top five. First mm-hmm. round, easy, easy first round, right? If you're not, if you're strictly off points and you don't have a rookie requirement, like my league has a rookie mm-hmm. requirement and is a keeper league. So he's going to go first round in my league. That's for sure. Right. Uh, but if if you don't have a rookie requirement and you're only playing with points, it's a tough call, right? Because he has that special kind of talent, but he's surrounded by poo. Okay. And, and, and yeah. Yeah. Sure, he has Taylor Hall and, and Seth Jones to help him out on the power play. That could be nice. But let's be honest here. Chicago is going to suck this year. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know that he'll be in a position to put up extreme number of points. But I would say between 60, 70 for a guy like like that talent, I think is is reasonable. With that being said, I could I could see him going – like third, fourth round, maybe. Uh, I think the name, you know, drives excitement. The possibility mm-hmm. of him being, you know, that having that Sidney Crosby rookie season of over a hundred points, uh, it's it's possible. But I don't know. Connor Bedard is an interesting one. He's not my only forward rookie that I really like, but I'll keep those in my pocket for another show. So I'll, I'll let's let, so do that because I would love to talk about this again, even closer to draft season. Um, yeah. 
So just quickly on Connor Bedard, uh, I took a look while while you were uh, while you were giving your uh, your speech there on how you know I agree with you. There's nobody around him. Can he do it? Um, yep. You know, on that on that front. But I took a look, and on on the NHL's list, he's ranked. And keep in mind, this is overall 250 players overall. He's ranked 38, so you're kind of bang on the money, like third, fourth yeah. round there. Um, and at that point, you know, if you take a look at the forwards above him, uh, there's two that are very interesting. Uh, that are the, the two direct forwards above him, which are mm-hmm. Brad Marchand and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Nugent Hopkins okay. just came off his first career 100-point season in his mm-hmm. you know 10th year in the NHL. Brad Marchand... How's he going to do now that Patrice Bergeron is not there anymore? You know, is yeah. he still going to be that uh, being set up for 35 goals a year? Hmm. And then the then one right under him is Zach Hyman, who had uh, an 80 okay. point season in Edmonton. So that just mm-hmm. tells you, you know, like people are expecting this this guy because uh, you know the top 250. It's not it's not for keeper rankings. You know that that'll just tell you that that's. Uh, you can expect anywhere between eight, 70 to 90 points from Connor yeah. Bedard. And if you're getting if you're getting the top end of that 90 point player in uh round three, round four, that's a Fantastic. league winner. That's a Fantastic. that's a league winner right there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Uh it's funny you mentioned Marshan. I almost put him in overrated, but I I figured okay, if he plays with Pasternak and you know with the defense defense that Boston has, right? They still have McAvoy, Hampus, Lindholm. He's going to be fine, right? Brad Marshall has still a good player. I won't I won't really put him in overrated, but he is going to dwindle, right? If, if the first line center is Pavel Zaka, mm, mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. He's a great player. First line center, no. No. So remains to be seen. But yeah, Bedard is an interesting one. Uh, I... I Man, I'm 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 excited for keeper league for keeper leagues with a rookie requirement. He, <laughs> you know, he's gonna he's gonna change a lot of things, right? He's gonna he's gonna stir mm-hmm. the pot because he's gonna go way higher than he should just because of those requirements. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah, fantasy season right around the corner. We'll have you on. Uh, we'll have you on uh, a lot more to talk about fantasy, especially leading up to draft Gladly. season because I got. I got my draft. I think it's on the 28th, but that has to be oh. moved because the 28th yeah. is my mother's birthday. So oh, that birthday. will be moved. So that will be moved. But uh, it's like we always do kind of like the week before the season, mitigate the risk of injuries and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. very exciting time to be a hockey fan. It's all coming up. Indeed. It's all coming up. Smells like hockey. That's right. And I showered, so it's not me. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I knew I smelled something. Shane, enjoy your weekend. You as well. Take care. Take care, Shane. And all of you out there, enjoy your weekends. I'm Matt O'Han. I'll catch you on Tuesday. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. LaVita.tv. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.